This is a HeadGum Podcast. Okay, good stuff. I'm doing a cool thing. I'm doing a cool new thing I invented. What? It's called Oh Wow. One wine, one water? One wine, one water, but here's the thing. The kind of water I'm doing is seltzer. Mm-hmm. Just throw it in right with the wine have a little spritzer. That's not Oh Wow. Oh Wow. Oh Wow. In 86, Anna Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time do you want to hear a texas horror story sure was is it about scorpions tornadoes flash floods friday night lights do you remember when you were here visiting and a wasp like creature attacked us at my front door yeah, he was menacing us. He was menacing us. He wouldn't let us leave the house. Okay. We had to leave through the back door and sneak around the front and get in your car quickly. Here's part two of that saga. Okay. Yesterday, I went outside, as you and I did the one time that that wasp menaced us, and I was once again menaced by the very same wasp. I don't think wasps have that long of a lifespan. I think that they live longer than two weeks. Here's the next part of the story. I went outside like a very brave boy anyway, and the wasp eventually gave up and moved away. But I noticed that he or she was like particularly interested in this one part of the of the screen door, which is where like the same place that he had been kind of gravitating towards when you and I saw him. And what I saw there was a a construct of some kind, uh, forerunner technology or. Kind of like the whatever race was here before humans. Oh, yeah. It, it felt very much like that. It looked made by uh, something that had intent. So, so like kind of biomechanical, yeah, organic it, tech. It was a biomass. Okay. A biomass of some kind. But with some kind of structure. But a stru- of- structure, yeah. yeah. It was as if made by an architect. Right. Uh, and so uh, Sarah, my wife, said... Kill the wasp. No, you guys are uh, animal-loving vegans. I would vegans. not. I would not. Yeah. I would not do that. But like a very brave boy, I decided to remove the biomass that was attracting the wasp to my door. It's like a gray organic structure that looks like it looks like ash, like barbecue ash that has congealed somehow Okay. into a biomass. I attacked it with a broom. And it it flaked off of my screen that's door not, onto the that's not very Christ-like veranda. Of you, it was Christ-like. I saved. I let the wasp live, but I attacked the biomass. I didn't know what it fucking was. Christ never like went into some money lender's temple and uh, <laughs> broke it up. <laughs> he literally did, Tanner. No. So it shows what you know. Here's the the crux of my tale. Now I want to tell you what fell to the floor. As I attack this okay. biomass with my broom. Okay. Bits of the flaky organic structure fell to the floor. That's to be expected. But then all of these desiccated white spiders started falling like rain onto my veranda, one after the other. Just these like these it's like spiders, but it's like all the juice was gone out of them somehow. And they were white. And they were just Were they living or were they husks? I'm gonna get to that. They lay there motionless on the 
floor as I made some 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 noises of terror, but continued to attack the biomass, and then finally a tiny little larva, squirming larva, fell to the floor as well. And with my last uh, hit of the broom, I hit something that was that like had meat in it and it like splashed blood across the screen door and then i swept all of these like spider creatures onto the side of my porch okay i researched this shit you want to know what that was it's called a dirt dauber wasp and what they do when they lay their little fucking larva eggs they go and like fight spiders out in the wild and paralyze them and bring the living paralyzed spiders back to the nest and trap them inside it and wait for the larva to hatch and eat them alive. That's what like was the meaty what was the meaty chunk? I think it was like a newly caught spider that still had its like its like organs and flesh inside it that was just hmm. sitting there paralyzed inside the nest. You know what that sounds like? Like a fucking nightmare and like I need to move back to New York like like ASAP. a vor fetishist's <laughs> a wettest wet dream. <laughs> I th- I think I think <laughs> you know what that sounds like to me. It sounds like there is no god. Yeah, that's pretty terrifying. And had I known that that playful wasp <laughs> yeah. that I encountered was was such a abomination against everything beautiful in this world, yeah, I would have left a day earlier rather than a day late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would have. I would have fucking left with you. Can I tell you a story yeah. from my recent history? I visited you in Austin, mm-hmm. and three days later, I got back on a plane and flew to Minnesota. Didn't even unpack, really. I, I like unpacked my dirty clothes, but kept like my toiletries and everything in my, in my suitcase. Uh-huh. Uh, flew to Minnesota, my, my homeland, for a cousin's wedding. Uh-huh. I, I unpacked all my stuff. I put my toiletry bag out by the sink. Uh, Went in to grab my toothbrush, and uh, guess what I came across, Jack? <laughs> I have no idea. Like some deodorant in there, or there like, was deodorant in there. Your yeah, razors, yeah, yeah. maybe. Razor was like, in there. Your, yeah, your razors were uh, blunt, and it was annoying. Someone you to shave for the had wedding. packed a wandering frog person <laughs> into my toiletry bag, and I transported it uh, thousands of miles to New York, and then thousands of miles back to Minnesota. Yeah. I was speculating about that today, and it occurred to me that it was possible that you would transport that bag all around the world for the next year or two before you decided right. to... Yeah, I travel a lot for work, so <laughs> there's, there's a chance that could have ended up like going on an unofficial world tour, but... Well, it looks like uh, we got a new, a new loser in the uh, Wandering Frog People game. It's me. That's uh, that's what you get for uh, for trusting. It's me. okay because no one updates the leaderboard anymore, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I should update the leaderboard. Hey Tanner, hi hi hi, and welcome to the Babysitters Club, Club, Club. a podcast in which I, Jack Shepard, and I, Tanner Greenring, talk about the classic novels of Princeton's own Princess Anne Matthews Martin, Stormborn, Sanctified, Stormwalker. Bats Bane, Soul Skinner. Yes. This week we read a book called Stacy's Big Crush. Um, yes. And despite being a Stacy book, it was pretty good. Yeah. Speaking of vor fetish, 
No, oh, that's what okay. this book was about. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Yeah, Stacy develops like a crushing vor fetish. <laughs> she meets this Python man who is like a substitute teacher at her school and mm-hmm. uh, has like some elaborate fantasies about being swallowed alive by him and kind of slowly crushed by his his membranes and <laughs> muscles. Yeah, it's, it's it's a real tour de force. Yeah. Um, and a I, departure for sure, but <laughs> breath of fresh air. Yeah, it felt it felt like it was prepared for by the the previous sixty five books. Yeah. No, Tanner, that's not what happened. In this I read novel. it last week. Yeah. Uh, so I've kind of lost track of what happened, but um, that's what I remember. Well, fortunately, we've got a we've got a hit segment on the show where we both describe the book. Should we? Uh, you want to? You want to dive into that? Uh, I guess we don't have anything else we want to discuss. I mean, I, you were I, I told a tank. You a very long story. Oh, I'm wearing a I'm wearing a tank. I, everyone's wearing. Well, I was going to say everyone's wearing tank tops here in Austin, but that's actually not the case. I'm wearing tank tops, and I think if I do it for long enough, everyone's going to follow suit. Tanner, we must, we must talk about this novel. Then Stacy's big crush. Stacy's big crush. Um, how about I describe the book? We'll we'll ease into it by actually. You describing know, it's a good actually. You could do play that song. Um, Pompeii by Bastille, because all those people in Pompeii got crushed by Ash. Mm-hmm. And you think everyone so, will kind of immediately ah, get ah, that ah, connection. So when you said what you should do is play that song by Pompeii, what you meant is you were going to, you're just going to sing it? And just layer that over. Let me talk, let me describe We don't have rights to the song. No, we don't have rights to the song. Oh, so I'll just I'll just layer over you saying ha ho ha ho, and everyone everyone all of the listeners according to your theory here just tell me if I've got this right all of the listeners are going to hear you saying ha ho ha ho and say oh what a clever reference that song is called Pompeii in Pompeii everyone was crushed this novel is called Stacy's Big Crush that's what you think's yeah. going to happen okay yeah yeah good all right we'll do we'll try that. Um, I'm going to describe this book. I'll th- we'll throw it to the guys in post. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God, I hope that's not me. Um, <laughs> I'm going to describe this book, then you're going to describe this book. Nothing will stop me. Are you ready? I'm not interested in stopping you. <laughs> okay, good. It doesn't seem like it. We've I'm been recording s- for 18 minutes. We should we should really get to the, <laughs> the book recap part. I'm trying so hard to do that, Tanner. You have no idea. I would like to begin now, and I'm going to. Yeah! Okay, good. I didn't need your approval. I just needed a pause, okay? I'm going to start now. Good. No, just don't, don't say anything so I can start. I'm going to begin now. Yep. <laughs> Stacy McGill has two loves. The good-natured, attentive, and above all, safe Sam Thomas, who she's been dating on and off for almost a year, and the gorgeous, mysterious, and dangerous Wesley Ellenberg, who has never expressed much interest in her, but whose meaningful eyes seem to promise romance and adventure if she can only get him to notice her. But the one thing Stacy isn't counting on when she turns her back on sure thing Sam for the uncertain waters of Wesley Ellenberg is that Wesley has a love of his own. A deep, pure, and unshakable love of not dating someone from middle school and then presumably going to prison. Will Stacy do the sensible thing and knock it off? Or will she make a giant fool of herself, like usual? And will there be a goat in this book? Find out the answers in Stacy's Big Crush. 
there was a goat in this book, and it was so good. It was such a good goat. Her name was Avira. She was a little baby goat, and she oh. was so good. Baby Nation, goat is my favorite animal. Yeah, mine too now. Number one with a bullet. I love goats. I've always wanted one. I want to, I want to start a goat farm. I told Jack I would move to Austin if he can promise me that I can have two goats. Yeah. Yeah, this goat was a fucking star turn. And you know who brought it in? You know who decided it would be a good idea to have a goat character in this book? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be my boy Pete. Pete Larangis. Pete Larangis. Can I and read you-, you the passage in this book where I realized that this was definitely a Pete Larangis book? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're all talking about um, Wes Ellenberg, mm-hmm. the new substitute teacher who Stacy has a crush on. Uh, the new one's name is Wesley Baconburger, Claudia went on. Claudia. I couldn't help giggling. I could tell I was going to get no sympathy. It's Ellenberg. <laughs> Who's Ellenberg? That was Christy Thomas's voice. she just come through the door, followed by Jesse Ramsey and Mallory Pike. Stacy's new math teacher, Claudia replied. Do you like her? Mallory asked. No, it's a he, I protested. A guy named Ellen, Jesse said. <laughs> I don't believe this. I threw up my hands. Claudia, this is your fault. God, it's like uh <laughs> There's just so much in there. It's like a it's like a a, a run from Fraser. <laughs> yeah, they get you, you see, with Bacon you can see Niles and Fraser Crane kind of having this <laughs> witty back and forth. Yeah, that's fucking brilliant. That it, that's that's perfect comedy writing. It's just yeah. layers upon layers of joke. Uh Baconburger, Ellen uh, and the characters are revealed through the jokes. Stacy's an idiot, right? Christy's so is Claudia. Claudia's not not the the brightest bulb. Christy is is luminescent. Um, did you notice another nice thing about uh, Pete Larangis today? Um, he uh, yeah, his son, I assume Nick Larangis was the book was dedicated to him. Special thanks to Nicholas Larangis for his rendition of the Three Billy Goats Gruff. Um, now, I can tell you from having read this book that the Three Billy Goats Gruff, as performed by the Pike children in this novel, was right. just the story of the Three Billy Goats Gruff. Right. So it's nice that Pete loves his son Nick a lot, but I'm not sure Nick deserves credit for the fucking fairy tale, the Three Billy Goats Gruff. Oh, you should see the way Nick Loran just tells this story, man. <laughs> Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah? Yeah. He's just a real storyteller. <laughs> it's like when Robert Zumeckis retold Beowulf via the medium of 3D CGI film. Uh-huh. And it was like, oh man, I didn't think Beowulf could be any better. <laughs> I certainly did Robert didn't. Zemeckis like did the damn thing, you know? <laughs> Oh, that's great! Yeah. Do you remember Beowulf 3D? Yeah, yeah. He introduced the the great Anglo-Saxon poem to tens of viewers. <laughs> <laughs> I think that movie did pretty well. Do you want me to look it up? No, not really. I'd rather you didn't. <laughs> I'll meet you halfway. I'm down to talk about Beowulf, man. Fucking crazy old Hrothgar. <laughs> <laughs> That dude. Oh, you know what I can do for you? Here's what I can do for you while you're looking it up on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. What? We Gardena. 71%. That's fresh. That Certified fresh. is the first 
line of Beowulf. I got that just in my dome. It means we, the Spear Danes. It means, listen, we, the Spear Danes. It was written by Neil Gaiman. No, it wasn't. It was written by the author of Beowulf. No, I mean, the 2007 3D cinematic release was written by Neil Gaiman. Okay. Directed by Robert Zemeckis. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a classic. Tanner, I feel like we desperately need to be talking about this novel. Oh, and you know how we're going to do that. I'm going to keep you on task because you you still owe me a fucking description. I'm going to put 60 seconds on this big bad clock right now and you're going to begin. You're going to start right now. 60 seconds. Describe it. Donna Marianne, meet this lady named Mrs. Stone. She's a farmer. She lives on the outskirts of town. She has a whole farm full of rescue animals. She's headed out of town, but she has a new baby goat named Elvira. Elvira's beautiful. Everyone loves her. All the kids in town love her. Marianne and Don love her. They agree to take care of Elvira for a week. All the kids get into hijinks with the goats. Uh, the goat keeps escaping and eating trash, uh, and the, Don and Marianne have to go find him and like find her and be like, ah, stop that, Elvira. At the end, um, the Pike kids put on a play starring Elvira. It's the Three Billy Goats Gruff. Elvira plays the biggest goat, uh, which is counterintuitive, uh, but it goes off without a hitch. Everyone seems to love it. Um, Elvira eventually goes back to Mrs. Stone, and Marianne's very sad about it. Uh, Stacy falls in love with her her substitute school teacher, whose name is Wes Ellenberg. Uh, she admits his love to him. She admits her love to him, and he's not into it because and he's time. 22. And she's 13. You want credit for that? You want me to? You want me to be pleased with you for what you did? Yeah, I did a good job. I hit the A plot really hard. I hit the B plot no. like is my, I gave the B plot all the attention it deserved. No, you talked about the fucking goat the whole time, and I love the goat. The goat as much was as the most important part of this book, Jack. <laughs> I love the goat. This book is about Stacy's big crush on that was boring. Wesley Ellenberg. I thought it was pretty fucking interesting. Tbh, <laughs> the goat was the best part. Wesley Ellenberg is quite a character. He's a, a handsome substitute teacher. He's he's a he's a student. Te- he's a uh, student teacher. He's a student teacher, but he's like a graduate student, right? At Stony Brook Community College, Whew. he's going for his PhD in mathematics in it complicated mathematics at at Stony Brook Community College. Yeah. <laughs> That's like a hell of a program they have there at Stony Brook Community College. Yeah, no, I'm impressed. Stacy in describing Janine talks about her uh major that she's going to do and she just says that it is calculus and advanced everything. Um so it does seem like like uh Stony Brook Community College fucking get shit done you know there's a real stony brook university that's a somewhat prestigious school this is let's not let's not fucking venture into long island territory my man it's in real stony brook long island don't say this it's it's real to us but it's not real to these girls and it's certainly not real to the baby nation don't it's a fucking it's still a sore point listen i don't understand why you don't want to talk about wesley ellenberg man He's an interesting dude. Because he was a fucking nerd. He's very handsome. You know how I know he's a nerd? It's stated right in the text. Is it? Yeah, it's my... Yeah, my bird of the week is the following. We looked at him curiously. A student teacher will be taking... This is Mr. Zizmore. Stacy's normal math teacher. 
It's part of the master's program. Oh, sorry, it was a master's, not a PhD, but still very prestigious. <laughs> it's part of the master's program at Stony Brook Community College, he went on. A student teacher will be taking over class for the last month. Most of the class groaned with disappointment. Oh, fuck, I read the wrong passage. Shit. My my tearful moment and my bird of the week were right in the same little <laughs> slot. So this is actually my. No. No. Tearful moment. Oh, fuck. And then followed very shortly by my. I'm not saying this shit along with you. Uh. As part of the master's program at Stoneberg Community College, he went on, a student teacher will be taking over the class for the last month. Most of the class groaned with disappointment, but I could tell Mr. Z didn't expect that reaction. He had to force back a smile. I'm going to miss you too, he said, but I'll be back to administer your final exam. I'll also drop in a class from time to time to supervise. That's Poor your- Mr. Zismore. His students loved him so much, and he, he had to like kind of choke back a little moment of like tearful pride that his students loved him so much that's that's the same fucking zismore who failed claudia well claudia's a dumb idiot <laughs> uh us or her someone called out mr z chuckled us both after hearing that comment and it's a him not a her his name is mr ellenberg and i expect you not to give him a hard time these weeks are crucial mr ellenberg will finish the last unit and prepare you for the final mr ellenberg Already I didn't like him. That name made me think of a nerd with no sense of humor. <laughs> that's it. That's a... <laughs> that's a... That's Stacy's burn on Mr. Ellenberg before she sees him. Before she had met him, yeah. She said he is a nerd with no sense of humor. And it's before also she learned that his first name was Wesley. I kn- Wesley. And that's pretty... That's good Lorangus work, because Ellenberg by itself, Mr. Ellenberg, I can see, kind of a nerdy math teacher, but Wesley Ellenberg is a dreamboat. So, I got already got my burn of the week out of the way. I got my tearful moment out of the way. I did my recap. Wow. Um, so, what do you want me to do? Uh, I guess I'll let you kind of just take it from here. I'll just sit back and rest on my laurels. Will you pay attention? Absolutely not. <laughs> What do you want me to do? You want me to do my tearful moment and my burn of the week? I did mine. How about, you know what, buddy? You've been talking for a long fucking time. It's this, oh, wow, lifestyle. (laughs) I get to do... It really just opens me up. (laughs) I get to do a tearful moment and a burn of the week now. Yeah, but be pithy about it, huh? (laughs) I don't even know what that means. Here's my tearful moment. It was Saturday morning, the long-awaited day of Elvira's arrival. Actually, we'd only met her four days before. So short awaited would be more like it. Good comedy from Stacy there. Don's mom and Marianne's dad were off running errands, so we had the whole place to ourselves. Don and Marianne had made a long banner that said, Welcome Elvira, and I was helping them to drape it across the barn door. Inside the barn, we'd hung some ribbons, laid out some brand new tennis balls, and arranged a few baby bottles wrapped in a white ribbon. You got it. As a man who likes goats, yeah, they fucking they like made. First of all, these babysitters make a banner for fucking everything. Yeah. Well, they made two banners for this goat. One yeah. for when it arrived, and one for when it left. <laughs> that was my other tearful moment. Is when they made a, <laughs> when they made a banner for when the goat left. And they also like Claudio bought the the goat. Like the goat spent the whole time ate, eating garbage, and Claudia bought the goat um, a bunch of junk food, Doritos. Twinkies, Snickers, and Milk Duds, and just let the goat fucking chow down on some uh, 
some junk food underneath a uh, a banner that she probably couldn't read that said goodbye Elvira. Can goats get diabetes? I mean, I think if you probably if you if you feed them all of that shit, eventually, yeah. It troubles me. I'm worried Claudia is doing harm to this goat now. <laughs> well, this I think that there's this this ties into something that does happen in this novel that's worth exploring, which is the connection between the A plot and the B plot in the form of the Billy Goat's gruff. I think, and I haven't spent much time teasing this apart, so I'm hoping that you'll tease it apart with me, that in the fable of the Billy Goat's gruff, Stacy is the Billy Goat's, and Wesley Ellenberg is the troll. In the Billy Goat's gruff, yeah, the you need Billy Goat's are not allowed to cross a bridge because there's a troll living under it. Right. And if they try, the troll will try to eat them. Mm-hmm. But they do anyway, or... Do you really I don't, don't, you don't remember this fucking one? No. It's a pretty famous nursery. Yeah, one. I read it when I was a child. I'm 33. Okay, the Billy Goat's gruff... Oh, shit, I'm not sure I remember it either. They fucking... They try to go over a bridge. There's a troll underneath, but they need to go over the bridge because there's the grass is literally greener on the other side. And they they fool the troll... By each billy goat is is smaller than the la- the next. No, bigger. Smaller. Bigger than. <laughs> it's the opposite of bigger than the last. <laughs> each billy goat is bigger than the last. Yes. <laughs> no. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, that's also true. <laughs> well, say it like that then. <laughs> Look, this. I can't believe I'm explaining this fucking nursery rhyme to you. It. The goats go across the bridge, and... So how do they get across, then? The small goat is like, hey, listen, troll, don't eat me, because you'll lose your appetite, and the next goat that's coming is is bigger and, and better. Typical uh, baby boomer nursery <laughs> rhyme, you know? Let's just, like, let's just pass the buck. Let's, uh, the next generation will take care of it. Global warming, not our problem. Tro- the troll of global warming... Yeah. <laughs> the next goats will take care of it. Oh, oh, is that is that a huge fucking deficit under the bridge? Well, oh, maybe maybe the, the next goat will figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are now, 2017, <laughs> us young people, me and you, yeah, barely into our 30s. <laughs> just like the new 20s. We're sitting here trying to figure it all out. Yeah. And I see I see I hear you, Anne. I hear your your plea. That's good stuff. You're one of the good ones, Anne. In a generation full of, of corrupt baby boomers, um, biting, biting social commentary. Apologies to any baby boomers who listen to and enjoy. Ah, fuck them. Oh, okay. Fuck you, baby boomers. Look what you left us with. <laughs> also, I think I may be a baby boomer. No, I think you're generation. I'm Gen next. X. I'm Gen next. Gen next. Gen X. It's the the one Pepsi invented. Okay. Oh, I'm Generation Next. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Cool. <laughs> and I am a millennial. Cool. Um, so anyway, in this metaphor, Mr. Ellenberg is a troll. Let me let me fucking tease out for you why I think that scans. Cause, oh, because trolls are um, beautiful, kind of like stunning Adonises who make your knees weak, your mouth kind of turns to cotton when you're around them, right? 
I no, I don't think that. I think that's the opposite of what a troll is. Uh, it seems like your theory doesn't really hold water. Then, <laughs> hey, do you know how metaphors work, Tanner? They don't have to work on like literally every level. Sorry, I'm just being combative because I'm fired up about these fucking baby boomers. <laughs> <laughs> I think that Wesley Ellenberg, like Stacy. Goes up to Wesley Ellenberg on multiple occasions, gives him love poems. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she writes a poem. That was another one of my burns of the week. She gives him a poem, and he, like, doesn't know how to react. Uh, like, a week <laughs> later, they haven't talked about it. They haven't addressed it. And she approaches him again, and she's like, uh, Mr. Ellenberg? He's like, oh, Stacy, um, you didn't write me another poem, did you? <laughs> <laughs> She gives him a poem. He's he's like, oh, cool poem. The like the poem is just like about starry eyed, literally about starry eyed lovers. Uh, and he's like, oh, cool. She's like, uh, Mr. Ellenberg, um, I feel like you and I have been uh, getting closer over the past few days, and uh, I wanted to give you this poem. And instead of him being like, oh, hey, uh, Stace. Uh, I think you got the wrong idea. I'm uh, I'm a graduate student, and you're in middle school. He's yeah. like, oh, thanks. Thanks for the poem. And then the next time she literally is like, hey, I have very strong feelings for you, and I think you reciprocate those feelings. And his response is, oh, shit, I'm late for, um, I'm late for the teacher's meeting. Uh, see you at the spring dance. Right. That's like, I don't know if they, they take like how to be around middle school students training in the early 90s, but that's not, I don't think so. that's not how you do that. Middle school students are scary and intimidating. Yeah. When you're They're another like, middle school student. No, even when you're an adult. I recently had to speak to a school of, like, a class of middle schoolers for Oh, dude, work. I did too. They're, like, all cool, and they have, like, fucking, like, vape pens and fidget spinners. And, like, I was just trying to walk down the hallway, and they were, like, on their Heelys, scooting past me and, like, blowing thick clouds of vape smoke in my face. <laughs> fidget spinning all over me and i was like ah what the hell where am i so i get it i get mr ellenberg's response i dig it and now that you say that i'm reminded of my friend asked me to speak at a middle school a few years ago about why i choose to be vegan yeah it's like it was one of these like super progressive schools for like super smart kids who are like they don't have normal classes they just have like advanced debate yeah (laughs) Uh, and so i went up and i was like hey so here's like here's the deal with like why veganism is a good choice uh they fucking savaged me they savaged me the the teacher's like all right that's that's enough jack did they make you rethink being a vegan no but they made me rethink talking to middle schoolers ever again (laughs) they destroyed me they just like twisted me up in knots i like i didn't know what to say um this was before fidget spinners, but it was a similar experience. Did they have Heelys at least? I don't think they even had Heelys, man. This was in like this was a few years ago. Okay. Shit moves fast. I don't know I don't Probably know what they all had like Teddy Ruck spins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They all... And they would like they would record their own tapes and make Teddy Ruck spins say swears. <laughs> Uh, so what am I in? I did a tearful moment, and now I'm doing. You fucked up. You fucked up all our segments today. I know. It's those it's fucking. A wet, it's a wet, wild ride tonight. It's these oh wows, rose seltzers. I'm like Kathy Lee and Hoda over here. <laughs> you just can't. You can't hold me down. <laughs> all right. So you want to burn for me? Yeah. 
Oh, it's this fucking new dude. It's this new Pete. Oh, yes. Sid or whatever. <laughs> What's his name? Peter Hayes. Wait, Peter Hayes? There's a new dude called Peter Hayes. Who's Peter Hayes? Tell me about him. <laughs> he's, he's a kid in a class, and the, Stacy is speculating about whether Mr. Ellenberg is going to survive as a substitute teacher. Uh, and her her big worry is that he won't because of Peter Hayes. Uh, and here's the tale that she spins about the great Peter Hayes. The kids in this class have never been kind to substitutes. The last sub was a disaster. One kid, Irv, spent the period... Oh, fuck. Yeah, God that's my guy, Irv. Irv. <laughs> Irv is my baller of the week. He's the coolest kid in the world. All right. Who so the this fuck dude is Peter Earth. Hayes, Jack? Did you just Peter, make that up? No, Peter Hayes does cool shit too. It's a combo. It's a combo burn of Peter Hayes and Irv. Okay. These fuckers burn the substitute teacher so good. It's yeah. a combo. Yeah. A man named Irv is the player here uh, with his accomplice, Peter Hayes. The kids in the class have never been kind to substitutes. The last sub was a disaster. One kid, Irv, spent the period speaking with this strange foreign accent. The poor sub would answer him with slow, exaggerated sentences. She thought the class was laughing at Irv, not her. And each time she turned her back, Peter Hayes would toss a ballpoint pen up into the ceiling, trying to get it to stick into the acoustical tile. By the end of the period, three pens were hanging like stalactites. When the bell rang, Pete come... By the end of the period, three pens were hanging like stalactites. <laughs> you say it funny. No, I don't. Yes, you do. Stalactites? Stalactites. <laughs> Woo! When the bell rang, Pete calmly stood on his desk and pulled them out, while Irv walked out with a smile, saying, Thank you. I thoroughly enjoyed that lesson in perfect English. Yeah. I guess it's more of a baller of the week than a burn of the week. Very good, though. No, it was a good burn on that on that lame substitute teacher. And yeah. a baller of the um, week. And uh, Wes Ellenberg. Wes Ellenberg. Uh, oh, he saw right through this facade. Sees right through it. Yeah. He's like, oh, cool accent, Irv. He uh, says, is that, what is oh, that? south of France, can you do uh, the northern coast? It's good. I, one can understand why, what Stacy sees in him. Can I tell you something spooky? Yeah. I went to go capture a note about Irv. Mm-hmm. I typed in, Irv seems like a chill dude. Mm-hmm. My phone autocorrected Irv mm-hmm. to Orb. What? Can I try? Can I test it? You can try. I'm not sure if your autocorrect is like, I think autocorrect is like self-learning. Oh, and you've been texting Orb to a lot of people. Yeah. All right, I'm just going to, all right. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I just texted you. <laughs> I just, Baby Nation, I just got a text from Jack that just says, Herb. <laughs> That's good. Somebody sent us, uh, baby, baby, New Baby Bees, um, this series of books is replete with bread, with bees, with dolls, with ghosts, with witches, with soldiers with magnificent weapons, with dream horses, and with sentient purple orbs. If you don't know that, read the fucking books or listen to the back episodes. So that's that's all you need to know. But a number of baby bees sent us the following article. This is a, a literal article on an actual website. The headline is, Scientists discovered a glowing purple orb at the bottom of the ocean. They still have no idea what it is. Did we already talk about this? Because I remember talking about 
the fact that scientists literally had to wrestle it from the hands of a crab. <laughs> yeah, that was you and I talking about it in our spare time. <laughs> <laughs> there was like a crab who wanted this glowing purple orb. Yeah. And he was like, you can't have it, scientists. Oh. Uh, do you want to uh, do a close reading of Stacy's poem? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've got it pulled up here. Uh, I'll start. I'll start with a little preamble. It's it's in iambic tetrameter. I gotta say, man, I thought it was kind of a good poem. No, it was fucking good. It's and it's and it it follows. She makes she makes a change at the end uh, where she fucks up the meter a little bit um, in the in the in the later version. But uh, the earlier version is in basically in perfect iambic tetrameter. Which uh, I I was thinking about particularly famous poems that follow iambic tetrameter. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I could think of a thousand. But the obvious one that comes to mind is Tennyson's "In Memoriam." In Memoriam, right? Um, for that's his, what I. That's that was a very obvious one that came to me too. Yeah, his great elegy for um, for Arthur Henry Hallam, his his friend at Cambridge. Um, the other one, I think, uh, Onegin Pushkin's Onegin is um, Negatron. I loved Pushkin's Negatron. And then Blake. Uh, writes uh, in trochaic tetrameter. Um, so Tiger, Tiger, Burning Bright in particular, a lot of the Songs of Innocence, I think, well, at least that one in the Songs of Innocence and Experience is trochaic tetrameter. Um, but this is, uh, it was it was an interesting choice by Stacy uh, to follow, follow in the footsteps of giants, uh, particularly Tennyson. Uh, you know what one of my favorite ones was? Uh, what? Wordsworth. Oh, really? I wandered lonely as a cloud that floats on high o'er days and hills when all at once I saw a crowd, a host of golden daffodils. Jesus, did you just have that? Yeah, to hand? no, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I wandered lonely as a cloud. Yeah. That's, uh, that's very impressive. I love Henry Lay's Not Quite Fair as well. Very good <laughs> example of am- iambic tetramino. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know what that sounds like is the neutrinos. Tetramino is technical name for uh, the blocks in Tetris. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. For the same reason, because tetra is the root that means four. Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, okay, good. So we talked about that way longer than I thought we were going to, but let's, <laughs> di- let's dive into the poem itself. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Unless you want to talk more about Wordsworth. Nope. <laughs> All right, here's, I've got it queued up. I see two stars in summer's night. What do you think that is? I, think, I mean, star-crossed lovers, that's, that's, that's what she says. Romeo and Juliet, Shakespeare. Romeo and Juliet. Hey, I don't, I don't have anything to say here. I'm flying blind. I need you to help me with this close reading. Well, I'm already doing all the heavy lifting. <laughs> i got the Romeo and Juliet referenced. Okay, good. And summer's night too. I guess that's probably also Shakespeare because it's it's a an inversion of shall I compare thee to a summer's day, or it could be a midsummer's night dream. Oh, that's good too. That's good too. Blinding, hovering, lost in light. That's a weird one. Lost in light. Blinding, hovering, lost in light could be a reference to the 1979 Steven Spielberg film Encounters of the Third Kind. Mm-hmm. Um, like a blinding light. Could be a reference to the Bruce Springsteen song, Blinded by the Light. I mean, traditionally, light is something that helps you find the way, right? Mm. But Stacy is lost in it. That's Blinded interesting. Yep. Uh, Could be a reference to Gandalf. Oh, I was thinking I was thinking Standing Lord of the Rings, to the too. Balrog. 
it feels to me like uh, Mr. Ellenberg has this sort of he has this power over Stacy that is similar to the voice of Saruman. Oh, okay. Um, and Stacy tends to bring in Lord of the Rings mythology. Ever since Stacy's missing ring, we've kind of been keeping right. an eye on that. Right. Um, but but Ellenberg unprompted reminded me of that that particular. Uh, so maybe that's what the reference is there. Yeah, Tolkien does a lot of poetry. Tolkien does a lot of poetry. Each so dull in heaven's net. Heaven's I don't know what net. that is. Heaven's net, that's troubling. Yeah, that's worrying. I mean, heaven's net may just be the stars. So each remains as yet unmet, but fortune moves in strangest ways. Fortune is such a common theme in these Stacy books. Stacy's Choice is a book in particular where we explore the idea of fate. Fate is something that's very important to Stacy. She says earlier in this book, where was I? Oh, yes, pre-algebra, that fateful May morning in Mr. Zismore's class. Why do I say fateful? You'll find out. That's how the book opens. So fate is already, she feels that she's fated to end up with Mr. Ellenberg, but she's right. fucking not because he's a 22-year-old graduate student and she's in middle school. Right. All right, we'll rush through the last lines. It lengthens nights, it shortens days. May this night end and day begin. I tell you what, man, that sounds like it's ripped right from the Green Lantern Oath. Yeah, I thought that too. In brightest day and blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. In brightest, in brightest day, in blackest night. Dude, that shit is iambic tetrameter as well. No evil evil shall shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might, uh, evil, uh, 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 beware my power, Green Lantern's light. Yeah. All right. So that's what the reference is. Ugh, of course. We already know that Anne is a, loves is a the Green Lantern mythology. Fan of Green Lantern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. May this night end and day begin and bring two lovers back again. Stacy, it's not going to fucking happen. I often refer to my wife as my lover and she hates it. Why why is that? I th- I think it's gross. I think it evokes I think like it maybe implies that we're like in some kind of triad or an open relationship. Some kind of open relationship, right. Right, right, right. It feels like I'm inviting that person into our lovemaking. Mm-hmm. Does and it I'm ever not, work? I'm not. No, no, no. I'm not interested. <laughs> well, maybe one day, man. You just got to kind of keep trying with that stuff. No, I, I'm not interested. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the ice storm. I know what happens. <laughs> um, Stacy ends up going to the dance with Wesley Ellenberg. No. False. She goes, she goes to the dance. She goes to the dance. Doe. She, re, yeah, she doe, which I think is something that Anna Martin or Pete Lorraine just thinks they made up, but I'm sure it's not the first time that that that. Well, Stacy made it up. Stacy made it up. It's right. doe instead of stag. She rejects Sam Thomas. She lo- fucking lies to him. Right. Uh, I mean, and, is it a lie? Yeah. Wes Wes kind of does. He doesn't really ask her, but he, like, implies. He does a bet. This is what I've been trying to get at, and this is why I think in some ways that he is a troll-type character. He's a, he is predatory rather than, like, bumbling and innocent. It's fucking weird that he doesn't nip the shit in the pud early on. Right. Stacy's like, hey, I think I'm in love with you. And he's like, oh, <laughs> see you at the spring dance. That is not the appropriate response. But she fucking, on his behalf, after that kind of half rejection, she lies to Sam Thomas. It seems like things are kind of cooling between them. Sam says, do you want to go to the dance? 
and Stacy says, like fucking freaks out. Right. And then it's like, uh, oh, actually, uh, I, uh, I have a date. I'm so sorry. And right. Sam's Someone like, someone else already asked. <laughs> Sam, in like typical Sam Thomas fashion, is like, okay, cool. Thought I'd ask. Right. <laughs> and then some other like girl immediately, yeah, calls him. Is like, you want to go with me? He's like, yep. Sounds good. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, at the dance, Wes. Ellenberg continues to lead Stacy on. Yeah. And she's like, hey, Wes, can I have a dance? And he's like, oh, yeah, totally. And like that song, um, You're Making It Hard For Me, about getting an erection on the dance floor comes on. <laughs> it's not in the book. It's not stated explicitly in the book that that's the song that comes on. <laughs> but like, we can assume that that's the song that comes on. And, and Wes is like, yeah, let's get out there and dance. And they're like, Dancing and Stacy's like, this is going great. Uh, he's totally into me. They dance for a number of songs. Everyone is like watching them. They're the stars of the the prom. Then a slow song comes on, and Stacy's like, Wes, may I have this dance? And he's like, Sorry, Stacy, uh, I'm very tired. I'm gonna sit this one out. And she's like, No, it has to be this one. This is the only slow song they've played tonight. Yeah. And then and then finally, after all that, Wes is like, "Listen, Stacy, you're 13. I'm 22. Let's not do this. This yeah. is yucky." <laughs> and fucking Stacy is like dumbfounded. Yeah, Stacy did not see this coming. Somehow, did you solve the fucking mystery, Stacy? She she says like three quarters of the way through the book. I had realized what our problem was. As a teacher, he was forbidden to get involved with students. No, the problem is he's 22, <laughs> Stacy, and you're a 13-year-old girl. Yeah, that's the fucking problem. He's not interested in you. Stacey, he's not interested in you. You're no. lucky that Sam Thomas is interested in you. Yeah. Um, and she just casts him aside, like so much baggage. Like so much volleyball. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go home to your wife, Tanner. My wife's not even home. She's at a play tonight. Um, well, in that case. But in that I don't want to keep recording. We've been recording for an hour and 25 minutes. In that case, let's do a little fashion talk. I just thought we should talk a little bit about the fashions in this book. I didn't pick any up. Literally not a word of it. I have a shitload of notes this week. None of them are about fashion. This segment is called Claudia's Closet, but it's it's we're going to talk about what some of the other girls are wearing this week. Um, I have two reasons that I wanted to discuss with you the following description of what Stacy wears to the dance, which is also captured by Hodge's Swallow, I believe, on the cover of this novel. Here's what she's wearing, and I have two reasons I want to talk to you about it. One, I don't understand what any of the words mean in her description of what she's wearing. You need you need fashion expert Tanner Greenrings. Fashion expert Tanner Greenrings. Sage advice on this one. To kind of to to kind of paint a picture for me. Uh, and two, it's got a fucking awesome Pete Larangis Empire Strikes Back reference in it. Do you think Pete is a Obviously. Yeah. He fucking it's a dope reference. Here, check it out. Stacy's describing her so like her mom who works at like this like upscale department store now. Right. Got her like a, a sweet, sweet discount on a very, very lovely number. Mm-hmm. It was a calf length silk cotton dress with pastel floral print 
a scoop neck, and a sheer shirred skirt that was slit to above the knee on one side. I love it, I cried out. I know, Mom replied. What is it? What's the thing you said? A sheared, sheared skirt? Sheared. S-H-I-R-R-E-D. So I don't know what a scoop sheared. neck is, and I don't know what sheared. I think scoop neck is where it, it's it's low cut here on the... Okay, baby nation. He he says here he's describe he's pointing to he's pointing to his torso. He's making like a kind of a V, a V motion. It's a low cut. It's a it's a it's a um. What do you call it? Plunging neckline. Okay. Why why wouldn't you say that? But 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 Jack, Mm -hmm. there's some extra fabric there that kind of bunches up down on the plunging neckline. I'm I'm almost certain that that's what it's. That's what a scoop. Neck is, I think so. Okay, and what do you think is a, a sheared skirt? Uh, well, Bart Bart Bashir. Mm-hmm. So probably like um. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, like what the women in a league of her own wear. Okay. Oh yeah, so it's baseball themed. Like a baseball skirt. Okay. Okay, that's cool. That sounds like a good outfit. Right. And then you catch that cool Star Wars reference. Ah, uh, loved it. I love it. I cried out. I know. Mom replied. Right. God. Good stuff. Very good. That was um, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, you, you yep. got that one. Classic. And you know why the they froze? Hey, you know why they froze Han and, and Kryptonite, yeah? Carbonite. What did I say? <laughs> you said Kryptonite, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and you know what, motherfucker? If, if you fucking, if whoever edits this leaves in the part where I mispronounce stalactite, that person out of a sense of fucking honor... Has to keep in fucking Mr. Like Geek God Tanner Greenring saying they froze on in kryptonite. You son of a bitch, you got your comeuppance. It's because <laughs> it's because Harrison Ford wasn't sure he wanted to sign on for a third movie. <laughs> That's your joke? It's not a joke. It's just a <laughs> it's just a factoid. You read it, you said it like it was gonna be a joke. Oh no, this is falling apart. No. Listen, I just want to tell you what Jesse was wearing, and then we can move. We can move on to, with our lives to the outro. Hopefully, <laughs> Jesse is wearing. Wow, what an outfit! Jesse says to Stacy. You too, I replied. Jesse looks sensational in an indigo blue unitard with a matching open mesh oversized cardigan. <laughs> Ugh, that sounds like a fucking train wreck. I don't. I mean, look, I'm trying my best to picture this. But take a second and do the thought experiment that I did and actually imagine that. A unitard. I assume that's like that's like a wrestling like a wrestling singlet. <laughs> and it's indigo blue. So she's uh-huh. wearing like a wrestling singlet and matching, so it's also indigo blue, oversized. Yeah. Mesh. Mesh. Cardigan. <laughs> <laughs> that's what Jesse wore to the dance. That's a cool look. Oh man, what a good visit to Claudia's closet! I'm gonna go home. Do you want to get the fuck out of here? I would. That's what you're telling. Love me. to get the fuck out of here. We Hopefully, this week Stacey's we are not fun. plagued with audio troubles uh, or fucking goddamn dirt dauber wasps. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't want to be plagued by either. We've been having some audio troubles lately, uh, Baby Nation. We apologize for that. Yeah, we but sure have. This week is gonna sound crisp. And clean, 
because we're on our shit. Jack took an hour to get ready, and hopefully that will pay off in good, clean audio. It feels like you took an hour to get ready, too, in your own way. I took an hour to get right. Tanner, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's get the fuck out of here. You know what I just thought of? Okay. It's 10.50 p.m. here, which is fine. I'm allowed to be this drunk at 10.50 p.m. <laughs> Kathy Lee and Hoda are this drunk at, like... <laughs> 7.50 a.m. every day. Well, and that's why they're masters of their fucking craft. What a life they lead. They are 15 hours better at what they do than we are. Maybe their whole timetable has just shifted 15 hours. Yeah, maybe. Um, well, they're national treasures. We should get Mario Batali on our show. He'll do some fun vegan recipes for you. I want to tell Baby Nation something. Baby Nation? I both love and kiss you very much. This week, I have been Jack Shepard. I've been Tanner Greenring. <laughs> this week, we read a book called Stacy's Big Crush. Next week, we're reading a book called Maid Mary Ann. From Robin Hood. Oh, yeah, possibly. Maybe that's the reference. Uh, it's going to be a Mary Ann book. Sounds like it probably will be pretty good, clean, babysitting fun. Great. Uh, love the character Maid Marian from uh, Robin Hood, the Disney movie. Great. Baby Nation, despite how Tanner is behaving right now, I would love for you to uh, dig deep and find it in your hearts to give us a nice review and rating on iTunes. Yes, and please do continue to tell your friends about our show. Send them an episode that you like. This one could be this one. Could be any of them. <laughs> makes no uh, difference to us thank you for tuning in we're leaving now we're going we're leaving we're both leaving now I'm gonna say the sign out goodbye wait 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 before we go one more thing we have a special song uh, for our outro today that was made for us by Baby BJ uh, an actual high school student who listens to our show and decided to make this beautiful outro that you're about to hear uh, so thank you, baby BJ. Claudia's wearing a bra now. The way she talks, you would think that boys had just been invented. In 86, Anna Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. And now it's time babysitter's book club. She feels this like guilt weighing on her and probably like a thousand fan letters. Every day, they're just like, "Hey, I love, I love the series, but I don't really feel represented." I just don't think that there's that many redheads in the world. <laughs> like all her Scottish listeners were, or, or, or Scottish readers were like, <laughs> "I, I didn't see any any red-haired babysitters." Wow, is that a, an Aberdonian accent? <laughs> <laughs> Baby Nation, if you have not done this, I recommend that you go seek out. Do a quick Google search for Scottish Twitter because it is the it's the best Twitter. The, the funniest thing in the world. Scots are so good at fucking Twitter. Yeah, they've they they've mastered the they've mastered the art form in a way that's just like we're like we right now are essentially tweeting in the Stone Ages. Right, right. And in Scotland it has evolved into a thing that we almost don't aren't equipped to comprehend. Right. We're we're like ants on the highway. Yeah, yeah, um, that's good stuff. How were we talking about? Can't remember. That was a headgum podcast. <laughs>